Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Glad you could join us. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, O oh Lord God, we thank you so much for this day that you have made, O oh Lord, for we shall rejoice and be also glad in it, O oh Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that you will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O oh Lord God. Speak to their hearts. Let them know that you are Lord God Jehovah and nothing, nothing, nothing is too hard for you to do. We praise you, Lord God. We magnify thy name. I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O oh Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Again, praise God. Glad you could join us here. And let me just say at the outset, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause and go and get your Bible, maybe a pencil, a pen, a highlighter, some paper to take some notes on and let the word of God just minister to you. You know, just like we used to do in school, it's okay to mark up your Bible and everything. And like you marked up your textbooks, hopefully it's okay to mark up your Bible and take notes because you'll be surprised how those scriptures that you highlight and mark up will come back to benefit you later on when you're going through challenging times. Praise God, praise God. We're going to start right out by going to scripture. So why don't we start by going to uh, Romans 4, verse 17. Romans 4, verse 17. Verse 17. And it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, but was strong in faith, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform and therefore was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, of course, we're talking about Abraham. Okay. And Abraham is a good example of faith. And so today, what we're going to talk about is indeed faith, if you didn't already guess it. And as a Christian, it's important to know that we understand faith as God understands faith. That's where we need to get to be. There are three stages, three stages that God brings us through to develop firm, strong faith. All through Scripture, all through Scripture, we see that God emphasizes that we are to place our trust in Him. He wants us to believe who He is and believe that he will do exactly what he promises. So today, we're going to look at three primary stages that the Lord brings us through to develop strong faith, okay? We're going to look at that so we can really get our arms and our head around what this faith is all about relative to our own lives and our own behaviors and our own approach to having faith. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus commended those who had faith in him. At one point, his disciples asked him to increase his faith. That's a request that we all should be making of the Lord because every Christian needs strong faith to go through challenges and to walk in obedience to God. When we start out as Christians, okay, now listen to what I'm saying here and please understand it. We, when we start out as Christians, we have limited knowledge of the Lord and his word, okay? So we all begin our new life in Christ with small faith, all right? When we first start out, we have limited knowledge of God, limited knowledge of Holy Spirit. 
limited knowledge of scripture, limited knowledge of Jesus. So we start out with small faith. Throughout the Christian life, we'll all face times when our faith is weak. But as we grow, the struggles will decrease and our trust in the Lord will increase. Now, there were sermons and messages on here before about spiritual growth. As we grow, as we grow, the challenges and the issues of life will decrease or how we, how we, the impact of those things in our lives will decrease as our trust in the Lord will indeed increase. Now, there are three stages of faith, as I mentioned, and one is little faith, one is great faith, and the other is perfect faith. And we're going to look at each stage of those faiths today, each stages of faith today. For starters, we should know that Abraham is an example of a man whose faith grew as he walked with God. As we continue, as we examine his life, we'll see how he moved from one stage of faith to the next over the years. We'll watch and we'll see that in Abraham's life, there was a progression of faith and he moved from one to the other to the other. Romans 4.20, you don't have to turn there right now, but Romans 4.20 summarizes Abraham's experience. And it says, and I quote, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver. With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Okay? And I emphasize, he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Amen? So, starting right out now, the first stage, the first stage that we experience is little faith. This stage is characterized by restlessness, because we are influenced by what is felt, seen, or heard, okay? And when I say restlessness, it's like you're kind of, oh, you're kind of bouncing around, you know, you got something going on in your life and things are going on or there's something pending or whatever, and you're kind of bouncing around because you are judging things. You are judging reality by what you're feeling or what you're seeing or what you're hearing, okay? So this is why our faith in the outset is, is little faith. And as a result of the fact that we're, we're, basing, uh, we're basing decisions, assumptions, and the outcomes of things in our lives based on what we see, feel, or hear, then as a result of that, we wind up being restless and we are burdened with doubt. You see, when you're basing assumptions for your life on things that are so, so uh, uh, without foundation, without firm or not of God, then you wind up, you start having doubt because you don't believe that things are going to go the way you want it to go. Or you have little faith that things will work out for you because you're basing your decisions that the outcomes will be based on whatever you're seeing, whatever you're feeling, your emotions, whatever you're hearing from other people and so on. Okay, so our faith there, so, so that allows the doubt to creep in. Our faith is small because the focus is not on the Lord, okay? Our faith is small in the beginning because our focus for all things is not on the Lord. And many times, there's a lack of understanding of God and his word, you see? So when we first come to the Lord, we first become new Christians and whatnot, and we're in that little faith stage, so we're still, we're, we're basing our lives, the outcome of our lives, based on what we see, feel, hear from other people or whatever. We're, we're looking at the circumstances instead of looking at God and focusing on God. Because at this point, when you're, you're a young Christian, Christian person and whatnot, okay, Christian babe, as the Bible would say, it, 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 it is, is that you're not, you don't have a firm idea of what God's word says and means. You don't have a firm idea of who God is and what God is, is, uh, is intending for your life. So therefore, you have little faith, okay? We're not growing. If we, are, if we aren't growing in the knowledge of our Lord, then, and we're not meditating continuously on God's word, then our faith will stay small. Right? 
So if you've got small faith, the only way that's going to grow is for you to get into God's word more, to study his word, to come to understand his word, and to say, God, I want to know you. I want to understand you, you see. And this way, our focus starts shifting to being on God and not on our circumstances. Godly people in scripture were focused on him and sought, underst uh, sought to understand his character, his works, and his will. We're going to look at some examples of little faith, okay? And as Jesus interacted with people, he identified some who had small faith. So let's go to Matthew 8, 23. Matthew 8, 23. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Matthew 8, verse number 23. Praise the Lord. And starting with verse number 23, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, a storm, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Now, obviously, if Jesus was asleep, he was not concerned about the storm at all. He wasn't concerned about the waves and the, the, the waves covering the ship because he was asleep. So obviously, he was not concerned. Verse number 25 says, And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Now their eyes are on the storm. They see the waves covering the ship, and they're afraid. And so they're turning to Jesus, and they're saying, you know, save us, because we're going to die. We're going to perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Underline that, please. Little faith. Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Okay? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So he's saying to them, O ye of little faith. Jesus was not concerned. You know, he had told them to get into the boat and let's go to the other side and everything like that. Okay, well, they followed him. So if they got on the boat and followed him, they should assume that they would get to the other side, wherever they were going, to safely. But they were afraid. They were focusing on the circumstances around them. They were focusing on the storm. See, and that's what we, even as believers, do many times. We have a situation in our life where something is coming against us or someone is coming against us, and we start focusing on them or the situation and the circumstances instead of focusing on God. We get all upset and we get uptight and we get worried. Oh, Jesus, what should I do? How, who should I call? The, who is it that I know that can get me out of this situation? Or who, who can I call to make this thing come to pass? I need help. I need help. I need help. But we don't focus on God. We focus on the quote-unquote the storm that's in our lives, if you will. But Jesus said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? The obstacles of their faith um, where they saw a raging storm and they felt what they felt, which was fear, and what they reasoned would happen, death, but they failed to focus on Jesus. Okay, see, right away in their minds, they were doing this calculation. They saw the storm, boom, automatically, then the fear popped in, boom, and they reasoned, oh, gee whiz, we're going to die. You see, you see how quickly that all happened. They saw the storm. They started reasoning, oh, gee whiz, I feel fear. Because I'm afraid of the storm, now the storm is going to kill me, you're going to die, you see. And that's how the devil comes in and steals our peace. And, 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 it's, and takes our peace and inserts fear in the place of peace. See, because we're not focusing on God. We're focusing on the storm. If we go to Matthew 6, verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. And we see some very familiar scriptures here. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, 
what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what shall you put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Raiment is clothing, the body more than clothing. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Think about that. Are you not much better than they? Are you better than the birds of the air, the fowls? God cares for you. God cares for you more than they. Okay. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Who can get taller by giving thought or worrying about it? And why take you thought for raiment? Why take you thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Underline that again, little faith. O you of little faith. See, he's saying again, now if God takes care of everything that's going on in the world, Birds don't worry about where they're going to get food food from. Okay, in the winter time, those that are created to do what they do, they fly south or whatever. Those that stay during the winter time, God provides for them. The animals that are here during all sorts of weather, God provides for them. Okay, the grass grows, the lilies grow, the pretty flowers grow, and and and, and not that they have the ability to think, but but it just happens. So if God takes care of all of these things, then how much more does God will God take care of you? Okay, who is who is the pinnacle of His creation? Man is important to God. God loves you. So why do we worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to, how we're going to put on, where am I going to get shoes from, how are this? If God cares for everything else that happens in the universe, he certainly cares for you. Shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or where shall I get clothing? For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. Underline that. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. God knows everything that you need. Okay, it may not seem like it right now if you're struggling with something, but God knows exactly what you need and he will supply your need because he said so in his word. And if you've been praying, God's been telling you that I will, I will take care of you. I will take care of you. So if God takes care of everything else, then why should we be like the Gentiles or the unbelievers, okay? Because they say these are the things that the unbelievers worry about, that they think about, okay? But God knows our needs, and he will supply our needs. And it says there in verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you, okay? So seek the kingdom of God first. Seek God first. Again, it's about changing your focus. Don't be, don't be worried about, where am I going to get clothing from? Where am I going to get shoes from? How am I going to feed the family? Where's dinner going to come from? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to pay the rent? God knows what you need. And if God takes care of everything in the universe, every, every, every plant, every animal, every creature on this planet, God takes care of all of that. He will certainly indeed take care of you. You see? But he said again, oh, you of little faith. There's that stage again. You little faith. Their faith was small because they were worried about having enough things rather than focusing on God, who cares and provides for his children. If we go to Mark 9, verse 17, Mark 9, 
Mark 9, verse 17. Mark 9, verse 17, and starting with 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee, unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams and gnashes with his teeth, and he's pining away. And I spake to thy disciples and they, that they should cast him out, and they could not. In other words, I've got a son who's violently possessed, okay, and he's dying. I went to your disciples and asked them to cast him out, but they could not. Verse 19 says, he answered him and says, Jesus, talking about Jesus here, he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? In other words, how long shall I put up with this? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And he brought him, brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straight away, the spirit tore him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? How long has this child been doing this? And he said, of a child. And, and oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Underline that, please. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So I ask you that today. Do you believe? Do you really, really, really in your heart of hearts believe? And if you do believe that all things are possible, him that, that believes, then that means that all things are possible for you. So whatever that situation is that's going on in your life, dealing with a person, your job, your, your, your school, your, your landlord, or whatever it may be, whatever issue, if there's a legal thing that you're going through, it, all things are possible for those that believe. So God can indeed bring you through it. He will take care of you. And Jesus said, well, Jesus, how long will I allow this? I mean, how long have I been with you for crying out? You know, all things are possible to him that believe. Verse 24 says, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as, as one dead, insomuch that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to hit the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not deliver him? Cast him out. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Okay. So we see here, though, the, the, the key here that we want to talk about is, is believing. In 23, Jesus said, if thou can believe, all things are indeed possible. Okay, And then he cast out the, the uh, demon. Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. The spirit cried and he ran out. So again, do you believe? See? So how much faith do we have? How much faith do we indeed start out with? This man's faith was weak because of the apparent hopelessness of the situation. And he had the length of time that the boy was possessed. He just figured for all of these many, many, many years, this boy was possessed and there's no, my son was possessed and there's just simply no hope. So he, he did not have any, his faith was extremely weak. But Jesus told him all things are possible for the one who believes. And the father immediately cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. Like his father, we too want to believe, but our eyes often shift away from God and onto the situation. 
Right? Sometimes we want to believe, but we wind up looking at the situation. We wind up looking at the person, the problem, whatever is going on in our life that is giving us so much trouble. We want to believe. We want to believe. He asked, he asked Jesus, help my unbelief. Okay, we want to believe, but many times we wind up focusing on the problem instead of focusing on God. So we have to make sure that we start focusing on God. All right, now, that's, that's the first stage, that little faith. And as we grow, as we grow, as we grow, hopefully, you get to the second stage, which is called great faith. All right, you get to the second stage, which is great faith. Now, with little faith, you know, little faith is part of the process of spiritual growth. Again, we've had sermons on spiritual growth before. So we can move on to a higher level by shifting our focus. All right. If you're stuck in a little faith right now, you're realizing through this message or, you know, Holy Spirit revealing to you that you need to, to get more faith or not, this is a process for you too. This is a process. You may be struggling with the faith, but if you start focusing, focusing on God and reading his word and staying in prayer through this process, you will indeed get to grow, to grow and grow and grow. So that was little faith and it's a part of the, the spiritual growth. But however, those with great faith have minds centered on the heavenly father and they meditate on God's word to understand his ways. Since faith at this stage is God focused, we're not thrown off balance by circumstances because we've learned to see beyond the visible challenges into the invisible. All right. As you're growing, you start learning to see beyond the visible challenges and you start seeing into the invisible. The visible challenges are the things that you see around you, things that you are currently experiencing. But as your faith, you start getting to the point of having great faith. Now you start focusing on God and you start seeing what the potential outcome is instead of focusing on what the, the outcome is now. You start seeing into the invisible, into the spiritual realm where God has promised to do his work, to bring you through, to deliver you. You start seeing into that realm instead of focusing on what is before you in the visible realm. We don't focus on those challenges that are taking place right now. We see into the invisible realm, realm you know, the, 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 the powerful faithfulness of God. That's where we start looking. And some examples of great faith is always go to the word of God. Let's go to Matthew, Matthew, uh, Matthew 8, verse number 5. Matthew 8, verse number 5. And it starts off, <clears throat> and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof. I'm not worthy you should come to my house, Jesus. But simply speak the word. Simply speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. So he's saying, Jesus, he's saying, Jesus, you're not worthy to come to my house, but I know you. I know you, Jesus. And if you just speak the word from right here where we stand, he will indeed be healed. And he goes on to make a comparison. He says, For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me, and I say unto this man, and I, I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. 
When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not here in Israel. No, no not here in Israel. My tablet here is going. Oh, praise the living God. Praise the living God. Having a little difficulty with my tablet. Um, okay. And then he says in verse number 11, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So we see here that he said that I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. What made the centurion's faith great was his confidence in the authority of Christ. Having confidence is key in developing great faith. He knew he didn't even have to say to Jesus. He didn't, he didn't want Jesus to have to, to travel to come to his house because he knew that all Jesus needed to do was to simply speak the word. See, this is where great faith starts focusing in. He just knew that if he was to come, was to just say the word, that his, um, his uh, person would be, would be healed. Amen? Okay? Difference between little faith and having great faith. Having confidence where you know that something is indeed going to happen. If we want to see more evidence of great faith, we go to Matthew 9. Go to Matthew 9, verse number 20. Nine, verse number 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. But Jesus turned him about, but Jesus turned himself about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. So again, she had this confidence. She knew who Jesus was. She said, if I can just reach and strive and stress, you know, stretch forward my hand and just touch his garment, the hem of his garment, then I'll be made whole. This is that confidence. So again, so great faith is you realizing that if you can do something in God, you can accomplish, you can do this, you can do this. You know that God will bring you through. Again, this is progressing from little faith to great faith. This is where you start having some confidence in the outcome that God will bring into your life. So start having some confidence right now. That issue that's plaguing you, that person that is troubling you, have some confidence that if you bring it to the Lord, that God will take care of it and continue to move on and do what God is telling you to do. You see, this is what great faith is. When he turned around to see her, Jesus said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well, has made you whole. Her focus and confidence was on Jesus' power, not on the hopelessness of her condition. And she had been suffering this for 12 years, 12 years, okay? But she hadn't given up. She knew that she had been to all these doctors and probably spent a ton of money, whatever it was in those days, but whatever, medical science was not healing her. But she had confidence that if I could but just touch the hem of his garment. So if you can just have the confidence right now for that issue that is in your life, she had an issue of blood. You have an issue in your life that's troubling you. If you can just have that confidence right now, that if you reach out and, so to speak, touch the hem of Jesus' garment through prayer, through reading his word, through, through going to the Lord, through confessing Jesus in your life, just have that confidence that your situation will be removed, then you shall indeed be, quote-unquote, healed, if you will, by your faith. 
That's what it takes, is your faith. Okay? And then the last faith that I want to look at here is perfect faith. And if we go to James 2, James 2, verse 21. James 2, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See how faith wrought with his worth, wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Here we see Abraham as an example of perfect faith. The word perfected in this passage means completed. All right, I'll read that again, 22. See, see how faith wrought through his works, done by through Abraham's works, and by works was faith that is made perfect or made complete because Abraham, Abraham took an action, you see? So maybe there's an action that you need to take too based on your faith in God. If God is telling you to do something to eliminate the situation that's going on in your life right now, then you act on what God is telling you to do. By you acting and doing what God is telling you to do, that is bringing your faith to a point of, of perfection because you know that this is what God was telling you to do. You see? And this is how Abraham was operating. It is faith that has been tested and found strong. Okay? You start gaining your faith and you start growing in faith and whatnot. When your faith is tested and God answers whatever it is that you've been praying for, then your, your faith becomes stronger and stronger because your faith has been tested and you found that you having faith is indeed, it, it benefited you. So your faith becomes stronger. When the Lord called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, by faith he was willing to obey. And we'll come back to this in a little bit. As a result, his faith was perfected or completed. Perfect faith rests in God's faithfulness, even in the midst of turmoil, struggle, and hardship. This is how it gets perfected. This is how you grow from little faith to stronger faith to perfect faith. When you, 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 Through your confidence, you know that God is going to do something. So therefore, boom, you rest in peace. Rest in peace knowing that it's a done deal. So kind of summarize the, 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 the three faith stages, if you will. You, you, you know, the, the record of Abraham's life shows how he moved from one stage of faith to the next. It's a good example of how he progressed, how he grew uh, uh, spiritually. Stage one, or little faith, when the Lord promised Abraham that he'd have a son through faith, his doubt made him laugh and asked that Ishmael be accepted instead. And if we go to Genesis 17, 15, Genesis 17, uh, 15. And look at how Abraham grew here to illustrate these, these three faith stages. And God said, uh, and God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of many nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. He fell on his face and he laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him, unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety-nine years, years old bear? So he said that, he said this in his heart of hearts. So this is what he was thinking. And he laughed. This is like God telling you to do something such because you have a problem. Someone is troubling you. There's a situation going on. And God is telling you what's going to happen. And then secretly in your heart of thoughts, you kind of laugh. You kind of say, oh, yeah, sure. 
don't have the education. She doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't love me anymore. I don't have the money to pay the rent, to pay the mortgage. Oh, yeah, sure, that's going to happen. Okay, that's going to happen. But yes, so God has already told you what's going to happen. But yes, so in your heart of hearts, you don't trust it. You don't believe it. And now we're talking about how Abraham progressed from little faith and so forth, all right? So it says that, that he laughed. How should it be when I'm 100 years old and my wife is 90 years old and you're telling me that we're going to have a baby? And Abraham, verse 18, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he, he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Okay? They see what was happening here. God told him that he was going to have this baby in spite of his age. Okay? And, and he had this Ishmael, and, and Abraham is saying, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bless Ishmael. You see, and God had to bless him too because Ishmael was of Abraham. So he was Abraham's seed. But as I said later on in 21, he says, but my covenant is with Isaac, is with Isaac. Okay, I remember how Ishmael came about. Again, through not trusting God, Sarai told Abraham, Sarah told Abraham to, to, to take my handmaiden, Haggai was her name, and have a baby with her and whatnot because she did not believe that she was going to be able to have a baby. And so he went with, uh, with, uh, with the handmaiden, and that's how Ishmael was born. Okay, so Ishmael was indeed of Abraham's seed, but he was not the one that God had covenanted uh, with of, or for. Okay, because he said that this child was going to be of you and Sarah. Okay, not of you and Haggai, of you and Sarah. Okay, so he says in verse 21, God says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time uh, next year. Okay, so we see there, we see there that Abraham laughed and he had little faith. And then to look at how he progressed to stage two, which is uh, great faith, we go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse number 1. Okay. We see it says there, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a water, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort be, comfort ye your hearts. After that you shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. Abraham hastened unto the tent, into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quick three measures of bread, of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. Abraham ran into the herd and fetched the calf, tender and good, and gave it unto young man, to a young man, and he hasted to dress it. He took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, 
I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. In other words, she could not have babies. Okay, And therefore Sarah laughed within herself. Now she laughed. Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old or grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Or why did Sarah laugh? Uh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child when I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointment, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou did laugh. Okay? So here they are both now at this particular point. Now Sarah laughed at what, what these angels, the representatives of the Lord, were saying, that it wasn't possible because of her circumstance. She was a woman that was past the age of childbearing. She did not see how this was possible. But he says there, is anything too hard for the Lord? And again, I go back to you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That thing that's in your life, is that, do you really think that that's too hard for God? And if it is, then you are back at that stage of little faith because you don't know the Lord at all. Okay? You're not trusting him. Your focus, again, is on your problem. It's not being on the Lord. Okay, so like they left, but the angel said that, that I will return, okay, a after the manner of life. Or in other words, after the nine months has been progressed, okay, I, you know, you will have the baby. You will have indeed have the baby. And Sarah tried to deny the fact that she had indeed left, that she uh, indeed left, okay. And so she left and, and doubted God. But when she conceived, her faith in Abraham's faith soared as they saw the Lord fulfill his promise, okay. They had those doubts and they tickled and laughed, but. Time went by, just like the angel said, and like God had said. And at the appointed time, Isaac was indeed born. So now they have some evidence here, and they're saying, gee whiz, well, boy, now, you know, we're going to have even more faith now because God said this impossible thing would happen. And look, indeed, it did indeed happen. You stop and think back to what are some things, seemingly, quote, unquote, impossible things that happened in your life. And look how God brought you through. Look how God delivered. You were praying and maybe you were uncertain at that time. Maybe you even chuckled at the prospect of it even possibly happening because of your circumstances. But look how it, it did indeed. It came to pass in your favor, in your favor, you see. So in your heart of heart, you may not have chuckled, laugh, laugh, laugh at what, at what the Lord said to you. But in your heart of heart, you had some doubt that was going on, right? right? When you see God deliver for you, when you see God accomplish that thing which needs to be accomplished in your life, that's going to bolster your faith. And this is how you move from little faith into great faith. Okay, you move from little faith into great faith. And then we see with the third faith here, the third, the third stage, which is perfect faith, faith, okay? By the time God told Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, his faith had become so strong that he obeyed immediately, even though the Lord had said that Isaac would be the heir to all, all the promises. So then if we go to Genesis 22, Verse number one, Genesis 22, verse number one, we see here and it says, and it came to pass after these things 
that God did tempt Abraham, tempt here means test, that God did test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here or stay here with the ass and I and the lad, I and my son, I and Isaac my son, will go yonder and come again unto you. Me and Isaac will go up yonder and come again unto you. In other words, I'll be back. We'll be back. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. All right. Here Isaac is carrying the wood, got the fire, and now he's saying, Father. He knew they were going up there to sacrifice, but he's saying, Where is the lamb? The boy had no idea what was about to happen, what was in Abraham's mind. Okay. So he's saying, All of a sudden, where is the wood? Now, in the first place, how many of us would do what Abraham is doing? How many of us would be willing to follow what God is telling us to do? God had said, take your, your only son your, that you love to take him up there. Okay. He told the, Abraham, told the man, we'll be back. Isaac is now saying, okay, dad, here's the wood, here's the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Again, look how Abraham's faith has grown. He's simply saying, God will indeed provide. He's not questioning any further. He just trusted God. He said, God will provide. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham uh, Abraham built, un, built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Can you picture that? Took his son, the one that he loved, and bound him up and put him on the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing thou hast not withheld thine son, thine only son from me. See, so God intervened. He saw that Abraham was willing to give his only son, to give what he loved the most, to give it to God. How willing are you to give something to God? Something that you really love near and dear about. I'm not talking about God. Sure, God has not called you to sacrifice any of your family. But what are you maybe holding on to in your life that is so important that you put it before God? Instead of being willing to give it up for the Lord. If there's something you're holding so near and dear, a habit, a person maybe even, that you're, you know, you're not even going to church because you love this person so much and this person doesn't believe in church, that you're staying home where God wants you to be in church, but you love this person so much that you're putting that person before God. What about putting God before that person? 
What are you holding on to? There's possibly something in your life that you're holding on to so much that you're not willing to, quote unquote, to sacrifice it for God. The minute you sacrifice that and are willing to give that up for God, God will show he will step and he'll intervene and he will make whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you need, he will, he will make it, he will make it whole. You see? So God saw that Abraham was willing, he was willing to sacrifice his only, the son, his only son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said today, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Okay, Jehovah-Jireh means my provider also. There's a great Christian song that's called Jehovah-Jireh that talks, it says exactly that. Amen. So here we see through his willingness, his willingness, how God indeed stepped in and, 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 and intervened. He stepped in and he intervened. He said, okay, now I see that you are willing to do it. I am going to provide otherwise. Okay. So you see, so by this time, Abraham was so confident in God's faithfulness that he believed the Lord would raise Isaac from the dead if necessary to keep his promise. That's the bottom line. He didn't understand what God wanted to do, but he just simply said, well, God says to God said to, to, our, um, to, to sacrifice him, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Now, even though Abraham had, had uh, um, God told Abraham to offer a sacrifice in verse 2, Abraham even told his servants that he and Isaac would worship on the mountain uh, that they, uh, and that they, when they both returned. Okay? Now, 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 now look at that. Okay? Remember, I said to you that, you see, in verse number 2, go back to verse number 2 for a moment here. Number 2, and he said, Take thou thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. God told Abraham straight out to offer your son, okay? But then if we go down to, to verse number five, if you notice, it says, and Abraham said unto his young men, abide you here with the ass, or stay here, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and will come again to you. So that goes to show you that Abraham had full, full intention of coming back with Isaac. Yes, so he knew that God told him to sacrifice him, and that's what Abraham was going to do, to the point of tying him up and raising a knife above his head, above the, above the child, above Isaac, and was about to kill him. So I, Abraham, in his mind, he just knew that whatever God is up to, me and the boy are going to come back and, and worship. We're going to go back and meet those guys that we left. That's what he said. He said, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So Abraham had so much confidence in God he believed either that God was going to intervene somehow, God was going to bring him back to life, whatever it is, but Abraham said that we'll come back. But he knew that God said to sacrifice him, and that was his intent. You understand what I'm saying there? So this perfect faith, this perfect faith is when you get to the point of saying, okay, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to do, I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm simply going to do what you are telling me to do because I know that whatever you're telling me to do is going to work out for my benefit, that you will indeed bring me through and that I indeed will be victorious over the situation. I don't care what it is you're telling me to do, Lord, I'm just going to do it because I know what the outcome is going to be positive if I just follow your orders. That is perfect faith. That's perfect faith. And you're going to step out and say, whatever it is, Lord, I don't understand the step-by-step, -step, but I will do the step-by-step, -step, and I know that in the final outcome, it will be okay. Okay? God told Abraham, go sacrifice your son. 
God said, oh, Abraham said, okay, went up there, tied her up, had the knife ready, he was going to go. But yesterday he had told the men, said, we'll be back in a bit, we'll be back, we'll be back to worship with you. He just knew that he was going to come back with Isaac, his son. That's how much faith he had in God. God was going to resurrect him or something, but God, Abraham just knew that God would come through. And surely enough, what did God do? He provided a ram, okay? Provided an animal that he could sacrifice in place of his son, you see? Simply by, by Abraham's heart being right and having that perfected faith, which in, in the very, very outfit, outset we read, that perfected faith is, is what brings, is what, what uh, when you act totally, totally in faith on God, that's your perfect faith. That is faith that is perfected when you, when, when you, uh, uh, when, when you do your works based on faith. Whatever it is you do, it's based on faith. Amen, 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 amen. So, so that, that perfect faith, that's the stage that we ultimately want to get to. Right. right, even though God again told Abraham Abraham to uh, to offer Isaac, he knew he knew that things would be okay and that Isaac and he would return. So to progress in faith, it's helpful to keep a record of what God has done in your life as you've trusted Him. Make little notes, you know, whatever it is. We have smartphones these days and tablets and so on. I mean, just jot little notes. Have a journal, you know, you know, a prayer journal, or a life journal, as I call it, where you're just, you know, taking those things you've been praying for and watching for how God has answered your prayers, you know, and watch them. And you'll see how, how God has been with you for a long time, a long time. Even when you started out with little faith, God wasn't there, indeed there with you, you know. Remembering past experiences that demonstrate God's faithfulness increase your confidence in the Lord for today. Right? You look back on the past and you see what God did. Okay, Five years ago, ten years ago, even longer. Maybe, maybe it was just last week. But looking how God brought you through something that will indeed boost your faith for today and for the future as you go through. It helps you to progress from little faith into, into um, uh, great faith, into perfected faith or perfect faith. You should also faithfully meditate on God's word to know his mind and to know his heart. And then watch to see how God consistently answers your prayers and intervenes in situations in your life. Right? You keep track of those things. You'll see how God consistently intervened and for you, brought you through issues and brought you through many things in the past. And that will help your faith to just grow and grow and grow as you progress from little faith to great faith to perfect faith. And finally, Thank him every day for his faithfulness. In closing here, thank him every single day for his faithfulness because he's there with you. He's there right now as you're listening to this message. He's there. He's there. He pointed you to this message for a reason. Maybe this is your first time for you tuning into Genesis 1. I don't know. Maybe it is. But if so, God very well could have sent you here for a reason because there's something he wants you to learn and to listen and to learn to trust him. Have faith in him and to let your faith grow so you can learn how to progress your faith and grow into a point of having perfect faith. We can be like Abraham. I don't know what you're doing, Lord, but you're telling me to do it. Okay, I'll do it because I know that you've got my back. I know that you're on the case. I know that you're going to bring me through this. So, okay, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. That's where we all need to be. So in closing out here, I just say to you a few things here. Consider this. Which parts of these three stages fit you best? Where are you? Stage one, stage two, or stage three? In what areas of life do you struggle the most to trust God? What obstacles keep you from getting to great faith? 
What obstacles stand in the way that are preventing you from getting to great faith and having that confidence? How well do you know the Lord's character? Okay, do you know him at all? How well do you know him? How well do you know his ways and God's desires for your life? Not just, not just based on the scripture, but how, have you, how are you taking scripture and relating it personally to your life? Does God's word hold any significance to you personally? Not as, a, 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 not as an intellectual exercise in reading the word of God. How does it apply to me personally? Okay. How does the whole issue of growing from faith to faith to faith, how does that apply to you? Where are you today? Do you meditate on God's word daily? You do it as a, on a daily basis. Or, and also, is it difficult for you to trust God, you know, if, if you don't really know him very well? You can't trust someone that you don't know. Especially nowadays, you would not just go and a car pulls up next to you and say, oh, I'll give you a lift to where you're going. You don't know that person. So you certainly don't trust them. At least I hope you don't know that person. You don't trust them to get into that car and take you where you want to go. All right? You don't know him. So how much can you trust God if you don't know him? Amen? So I say to you, get to know him. Get to know him. It's very important. Stages of faith. Where are you today and where is it that you really want to be? Hopefully you want to get to perfect faith. Because that's when you will really, really, really be victorious in your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing. And if it was, uh, tell others how to find us. Okay, Our website is at www.genesis1.sermon.net. www.genesis1.sermon.net. Uh, look at the top of the page. You'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically every time these messages are available. Uh, we're on YouTube still, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, we have our free apps for Android and Apple devices, and they can be downloaded free of charge at their respective uh, Play Stores, Google Play and Apple Play Store, Apple Store, uh, free of charge. Everything on these sites are, are free of charge, uh, free for downloading. You can download this message in its entirety, or you can download the audio-only portion if you so choose. Uh, again, it's there for you, you know, just for your, for, for your asking. And it's all there for you to play, play back later on or share with someone else or whatever it may be, whatever the Holy Spirit guides you to do. I also say to you, uh, if you're in the... Uh, area here we're holding live worship services uh, if you're here in salem oregon we're holding live worship ser worship services at 10 30 a.m and we can be found in the candelaria terrace area of salem and the address is 2651 commercial street south again that's 2651 commercial street south uh, here in salem oregon worship services start at 10 30. come on by we'd love to see you love to see you and fellowship with us and we can pray with you pray for you and let's just enjoy hearing the word of god together amen amen come by and join us i encourage you praise god praise god again i pray this message was a blessing and let's now close in prayer heavenly father we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you lord god in the name of jesus uh Thank you so much, O oh Lord God, for these words on faith, O oh Lord, because we know that without faith we cannot please you, Lord God. So, Heavenly Father God, we pray that we, we grow in our stages of faith to get to the point where we just unequivocally, without question at all, just have faith in you and everything that is happening in our lives, O oh Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, that we shall remember these words, keep these words deeply planted within our spirits, that they cannot be stolen away when the evil one raises up against us. Heavenly Father, we just praise you and just magnify thy most glorious name. We give it all to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all together they said, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Go forth. Be blessed. Keep your eyes on the Lord. And remember always that Jesus is indeed Lord.